So today um, we kind of officially launch Facebook Live. Um, and to be honest with you, I have some mixed emotions about that. Uh, it's nice the fact that we're able to broadcast and there are people around the country, maybe around the world right now, that may be tuning in to watch us and to experience God through Facebook Live, and that's a wonderful thing. I want to caution you, though, because this is the other half of my emotion about it, and that is that some people will, will try to trade that or replace that from having community with other believers. I, I want you to understand that as we talk about God's love and how God has poured out His love on us, you have to understand that God uses other people to, to be participants in and be partakers of that word and that, that promise, and they, He does that through other people. I want you to know that that is the way God works. He uses people for that. We've been in this study called Though You Slay Me, and, and, and I, I want you to hear something real quick. Um, in this series of Though You Slay Me, it comes from Job chapter 13, verse 15, where, where Job says, Though you slay me, I will hope in you. I will trust in you. I will worship you, is what Job says. And Job's going through some really difficult times in his life. And I think that because people hear that, and they hear how Job was going through a difficult time in his life, and he says, I will hope and I will trust in the Lord, that they say, well, that is all I have to do in order to be okay. That, that if I suffer from depression, that I, I don't necessarily need to get any kind of help. I don't have to do anything else. All I got to do is trust in the Lord and I will be okay. And to a degree that is true, but let me tell you something, that God uses people to help each other, okay? He uses all of us believers to be able to help one another, and that's the way God works. When God talks about his love, I want you to hear that he is talking about using believers to be ambassadors of that love. Now, I want to I propose something here for just a second. I'm going to get you to raise your hand, okay? So just know that we're about to vote, okay? So there, there are two people, that, two different kinds of people that have come to salvation. You have either come to salvation because you were just focused on God's Word and you were reading God's Word in your house alone or, or, or you were maybe outside walking around somewhere and God just revealed Himself to you. You fell on your face. You surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you gave Him everything and that is how you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That does happen, by the way. I know a guy in particular that was on a run and God just completely broke his heart and he fell down and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. So you either fall into that category if you're a Christian or you fall into this category if you're a Christian. And that is somebody had an influence on you. Somebody shared their testimony with you. There was a pastor, a preacher somewhere that shared God's word with you. There was a song that was sung by some worship leader. There was a song that was sung by somebody on the radio. And God used somebody else to help you understand the gospel. And God brought you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through somebody else. So if you fall into the first category and, and God rescued you from your sin and it was just by the pure revelation of God and who he was and, and nobody had an influence on that, would you just raise your hand right now? Two people, okay. Hey, that, that's, that's fair. Three maybe, okay. And there's some people like, I don't really know for sure. Now, if God used somebody else to influence you in some way, to convey God's love to you, and because of that, they, you, know, you surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ because somebody else had an impact on your life. There's some message, some song, something that had an impact on you, and God used something in that to rescue you from, from death, hell, and the grave. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I want you to know that God uses us. God uses people. 
When we talk about God's love, I want you to understand that it's not just about His love. It's His love conveyed through His people also. That's why, that's why Jesus says the most important commandments are to love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It's because we're part of that. We're part of God's love. So as we love Him, as He loves us, it's all con- conveyed through people. It's all conveyed through the fact that we have, we have God with this connection with other believers. And because of that, God uses other people to influence us, to show us His love. And because of that, we are drawn to Him through that. Now, ultimately, God does the work and God gets the glory. We're just vessels, okay? Let's acknowledge that for just a minute. That, that, that we don't... Uh, I, I, we, uh, we, we don't... We don't go nuts and, and, and hug the pizza delivery guy because he brought the pizza. No, we, 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 we enjoy the pizza, right? So, so the delivery guy, he just brought it, but, but it's the pizza that we enjoy, right? So for us, we're just a pizza delivery guy sometimes, you know? And, and we just bring the message to the people, and, and they feast on what God has provided. But we're the delivery people. We're the, the messengers, if you will. Yeah. So God uses us, and I want you to recognize that, and he uses people. And I want you to understand when it comes to depression, when it comes to sadness, God uses people too. That God uses things and people in order to be able to help them to heal. Okay? And we talked about at one point in time during our, our series, we talked about how is, is it okay for a Christian to take antidepressants? Is it okay for a Christian to take medicine that will change the way they feel? Is that okay? And what I said there was, I said, well, I believe that if it's okay for us to be healed from cancer through chemotherapy, then I believe that it's okay for us to take medicines at times when we desperately need it to be able to to help us to heal. And that's reality. The same thing applies to people, too. Do you need to trust and hope in the Lord your God and, and trust completely in Him? Yes. But are there times when there might be counselors that can help you get to a safe place? There are people that you can talk to that that, that help you to get to a place where you are okay? Yes, it's okay to do that. I will do my best if somebody comes to me. I will do my best to try to help them in any way possible. All right? If they have a struggle, I will pray with them. I will talk to them. I do everything I can. But there comes a point when somebody says, man, I've been dealing with depression and suicide for two months, and I go, you know what? You need to talk to me, and we need to pray, but then you need to go find a counselor, somebody that you can trust and you can talk to to help you work your way out of it. I, you know, people try to say that, well, you can take Christian counseling classes, Kenny, and you can become really good at that, and God hasn't necessarily called me to that. He's called me to help people, absolutely, but I believe that we should, we should put that responsibility in the hands of those that have been called to help people struggle through those things and deal with those things on a regular basis and help them walk through those problems. I believe that's okay, that God has called us all to different things, and, and I believe God has called certain people to help other people walk through those issues. I really do. And you may be surprised. Well, Kenny, can't you just sit down and talk to them for two months and help them work through it? I can. I can. But, but there's, a lot, there's people out there that are way better at it than I am. There's people out there way better at it than I am. And they're more experienced and they've been trained in that particular thing. And I go, let's let them do that. Let's let them do that. Now, I encourage you that if you do that, go find a, a Christian counselor. Go, go find somebody that is, is based in Jesus Christ for their advice and their knowledge. But... But there are people that are trained to help you walk through those things. See, here, here's what I know. Uh, it, it's going to get kind of deep here a little bit uh, this morning. i talk to you about something very real. I've talked to you a little bit about suicide, and I've talked to you uh, a little bit about this other subject, but we're really going to dig into it today. 
Uh, and that is self-injury, self-harm. There are ways that people hurt themselves. They poison themselves. They may cut themselves. They may stick themselves with pins. They may scratch themselves. They may pluck their hair out. There's a number of different ways that people hurt themselves. There's another, a number of different ways that people inflict harm upon themselves. And this is a real thing that we're dealing with today, especially in our teenagers. It's a real common, real prevalent thing, so much so that I've got some statistics here. This is a 2008 publication, so understand this is like 10-year-old data, but this is what it says. One-third to one-half of U.S. adolescents have engaged in some type of self-injury. One-third to one-half of adolescents have engaged in some type of self-injury. If that does not wake us up, then there's something wrong with us. As Christians, if we don't take note of this particular thing that's going on in our world, then we are, there is something desperately wrong with us. We don't need to turn a blind eye to it and go, you know what, Jesus will heal you, Jesus will make it okay, and you just come to church, everything will work out. I don't think that's the extent of what we need to do. I think that we need to encourage those people to come and talk to us, and then we need to help them walk through recovery and getting away from those things. I think that it needs to be a process, and we don't just need to to Jesus juke them and say, here, go take a Jesus pill and it'll be okay. I mean, that's just reality. It says cutting and burning are the most common types of non-suicidal self-injury. Listen to this. This is, this is the one that gets me. Because, see, it's one thing to self-injure and you say the person's got sadness, they've got a problem, they've got you know, something they really need to work through. But, but I want you to understand that it's a sign. It's pointing towards something. Listen to this statistic. 70% of teens engaging in self-injury have made at least one suicide attempt. 70% of those who engage in self-injury have made at least one suicide attempt. 55%, 55% of those who engage in self-injury, 55% of them have made multiple suicide attempts. Does it sound like to you that this is something that we need to address? Does this sound like something we need to be talking about and not turning a blind eye to? Is it something we should be talking about on Sunday mornings? I believe that it is. Listen to what they say. This is, I want you to understand this is old data. The, the numbers have gone up since then. I know that they have. It's gotten worse. It's not gotten better. It's gotten worse, okay? Let's just all admit that. 55% of self-injurers say, say this. I just wanted to get my mind off my problems. I injured myself so I could focus on something else instead of focusing on my problems. 55% of them said that. 45% said it helped me to release tension or stress and relax. Self-injuring, cutting themselves, sticking themselves, burning themselves, poisoning themselves. Now, sometimes that comes in the form of, of taking pills, overdosing, if you will. One half to one third in that range somewhere. Adolescents have tried this at least one time. 
we got to talk about it. We can't ignore it. We can't pretend like it doesn't exist. So today I want to I kind of share something from God's Word with you. But I want you to think about this in terms of, I want you to put yourself in the position of maybe a teenager, maybe a young adult. And you just need to be encouraged today. And you need to hear about God's love. Now, I told a friend of mine the other day, I said, you know, sometimes I have a difficult time going back and preaching stuff that, you know, it seems like that we've all, you know, we've heard that before, we've done that, but, but today I want to go back and, and preach in Romans chapter 8 for just a moment and, and talk to you. I want you to think in a minute, it, it, for just a minute, if you were a teenager and you were struggling with this, I want you to think if these would be real questions or real thoughts that cross your mind. Now, some of you... You are teenagers. Some of you are older adults that have been teenagers at one point in time and you've had these thoughts. But see if this rings a bell with anybody. As you go through life, as you walk through life and and things come against you and, and, and sadness washes over you, do these thoughts ever come to mind? I need to be punished. Have you ever said that to yourself? I need to be punished for what I've done. It's been so awful. It's been so terrible. I need to be punished. Have you ever said to yourself that God has abandoned me? God has left me alone in my sorrows and, and in, in, in this place that I'm at. God has just abandoned me completely and he's nowhere to be found. Have you ever said, this will never get better? This will never get better. It will always be bad. It will continue to get worse and it, things will never get better. Have you ever said to yourself, I am unlovable? I'm unlovable not only by by God, but by people. I'm unlovable. And because I'm unlovable, I'm unaccepted. I'm unaccepted by God. I'm unaccepted by people. Have you ever said to yourself, God won't forgive me? There's no way that, that God could forgive me. These are real things that that our teenagers deal with, and these are real things that some of our adults deal with. Don't kid yourself. This is not just a teenage problem. They said that the typical profile for somebody that is a self-injurer is usually in their mid-20s to 30s, female, and has been doing it since they were a teenager. So if you tell yourself that this is just something that the teenagers deal with, you're wrong. It's something that a lot of times starts as a teenager but continues on through life and sometimes continues on till death because they've committed suicide. So I just want you to hear from God's word today in Romans chapter 8. I just want us to look at it. And I want us to answer some of these questions. In Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 31 it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? So we're jumping here in the middle of a particular chapter. And and, and, you know we hear Paul say, What what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? What, what, what are these? Can you remind us what these are? Okay, well, if you jump back up to the paragraph before, I'll just read them for you. I'll just tell you what it says. It says, a Holy Spirit who helps us in our weakness. A Holy Spirit that God has installed in us to be a comforter and to be a peace. And it even says in here to be able to, to talk to God when we can't talk to Him. To be able to confess for us. The groanings that we can't even verbalize. When your heart just cries out and it's so deep and so painful that you can't even get words out. Have you ever been like that? 
I remember one time specifically that I got out on my face and I came to an altar. You don't always have to come to an altar, but there is something special about coming to an altar for me. And I came down to an altar and I was... I, I wanted to talk to God. I really did. I wanted to tell him everything that was going on in my life. I wanted to tell him how bad I was hurting. And all I could do was open my mouth and just grunt. That's all I could do. That's all I could get out. Have you ever, you ever been in that place where you hurt so bad and it's so deep? All you can do is just open your mouth and, and you hope something comes out, but nothing comes out. Well, the good news is we've got a Holy Spirit who intercedes for us, who says, Hey, hey, Jesus, this is what he's saying. This is his heart. This, this is the pain, the suffering. This, this is what he's going through right now. And I want you to know about it. See, God is three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he installs the Holy Spirit in us. And he does that. And he's able to communicate through that Holy Spirit to the Father and to the Son. The Son who intercedes for us, for all the things that we've done wrong. The, the, the Son that, that has taken, or paid the price for everything that we've done wrong. And God installs this Holy Spirit to be able to talk for us when we can't even talk. What a wonderful thing that is. And then he goes on to say, and we know that everything works to the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, right? So, so, so everything works to the good. Well, that, that is a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. Now, we may not see it as good, but it works to the good. And, and though it may not look good at the beginning, it's ultimately for our good and for his glory. It's, it's not a, a temporary good that it's for. It's for an eternal good. And we have to see that and understand that. But it's a wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit, we've got things working to our good. And then listen, listen to what he says. It's just a reminder. A reminder of the verses behind this, this particular verse 31. It says, And having chose them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Oh, how, how could it be any more wonderful than that? He calls us. He gives us right standing. And then he gives us his glory. How wonderful that is. That he rescues us out of the place that we're in. He just does that. And here Paul is saying, these things. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Then who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. So when you say, I need to be punished. That I've done something so wrong. When you say to yourself that, 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 that I need to be hurt as a result of, of what I've done. I want you to understand what Paul is pointing out here. You know, you know who has the ability... Who has the ability to say that? Who has the, the ability to say that you need to be punished? It says no one. For no one. For God gave, uh, for God himself has given us a right, us right standing with himself. Then who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at, the right, at God's right hand pleading for us. So when he says no one, that includes you. 
When you try to punish yourself by putting yourself down and constantly saying, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, you don't have the right to say that. Because God has he's changed that perspective through his son, Jesus Christ, and says, no one has the right to say that about you. Not even you. Not even you. Not even you. You say, well, I know myself better than anybody else knows me. No, I know one other person that knows you better than you know you. Don't you? One other person that knows you better than you know you. So who has the right to say that about you? Nobody. Nobody. Because God, he had a right to say it about you, but he didn't. He says, instead, I'm going to call him, and I'm going to put him in right standing with me, and I'm going to give him my glory. So who has the right to say those things that you need to be punished? No one. No one. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Verse 35. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we, have killed every day. we are killed every day and are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despise all these things. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So when we ask the question, has God abandoned me? And oftentimes we ask those questions when we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. And we ask that question, has God left me? Does he not know? And, and, and we've talked about this in our series here, how now God stores up our tears in a bottle and, and he knows and he inclines his ears to, to his people and he listens to them. We're tempted to say that, that God has abandoned us. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You see, one of the things that, that we say to ourselves through this is we say, well, things will never get better. We, we, we fight from a place of defeat as opposed to a place from victory, right? And God has given us his Holy Spirit to remind us of that victory. It has sealed us to the day of redemption is, is what God says. He, he has given us his Holy Spirit to remind us that you're one of mine. And every time you have those thoughts and those things that try to weigh you down, drag you down, pull you away from God, he's got his Holy Spirit there reminding you, you are one of mine. And as you say, things will never get better. They will only get worse. They will continue to go downhill for, for me until ultimately I am dead. That is not true. That is not what the Holy Spirit is saying. What is the Holy Spirit constantly reminding you of? You're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. Nobody can take you away from me. You're mine. You're mine. You belong to me. We have this thought that God has abandoned us, and yet the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us God sent him for the sole purpose of reminding us that he has not abandoned us. He has not abandoned us. And if you're listening to a voice that's not that spirit, then yes, you're going to think that. But if you listen to the spirit, then you will think that God is telling me over and over and over again that I am his. And if I am his, I don't fight from a place of defeat. I fight from a place of victory. And that is what Paul is reminding us of right here. That you're not defeated. You're victorious already. Not because of what you have done, but because of what God has done. And he gave his Holy Spirit to you. He reminds you of that.
And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sometimes, uh, look, I know we do stuff, but we know that it's against God. Sometimes we do stuff that we know, you know, God says do this and, and I'm doing that. And, and because of that, I say, well, how could God ever love me if I do what he doesn't love? He hates sin. How could, how could God love me if I, if I partake in sin, if I've done things, how could God ever love me? And that is the whole point of the cross. You feel unaccepted. You feel unlovable. But God sent His one and only Son to remind you of the fact that you are lovable. Do you think for a second that God didn't know you were going to be a mess? You think He's, he's surprised by your mess? Do you think that when you were born, God said, Oh, there's a perfect human being. I'm going to send my son to die for that perfect human being. There's, there's a perfect little boy or little girl laying in that bassinet, and they're never going to mess up. I'm going to send my son to die for them. No, God knew you were a mess. And he didn't know you were just a mess. He knew you were a big old mess. A big old, big old mess. So when, when you feel like, like you're unlovable, when you feel like you're unaccepted, I hope you realize that that's the whole reason he sent his son. That because you're a mess, that's why he had to send his son. He's not surprised by your mess. He's not surprised by your sin. He's not surprised by the things you've done. As a matter of fact, he expected it. And that's why he sent his son. That's why it was 2,000 years ago, because he knew that you were going to mess up yesterday. And he knows you're going to mess up tomorrow. But that doesn't mean you're unlovable. That doesn't mean you're unlovable. We try to convince ourselves that we are unlovable, and that is not what God tells us over and over and over again, and that is not what God tells us over and over again through the cross. It's the opposite of the gospel. When you tell yourself that you're unlovable and that you're unaccepted, that's the opposite of the gospel. Look what he says. He starts out by saying, neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons. So we're talking about things that are outside of our control, right? Like we're not in control of death or life. Angels or demons, that's outside of our control. We know there's spiritual warfare going on in places that we cannot see. We know that it's happening. But then it comes back to us, right? So, so we start with a recognition of the eternal, and then it comes back to us. So, so, yeah, there, there are things going on out there, but there is also a responsibility in us. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. See, it, it's real nice to be able to shuck responsibility and say, oh, all those spiritual warfare things are going on and, you know, there's, there's heaven and hell and all that. And, but then I have my worries. I have my stress. I have my fears. I have my anxiety. And that's what I got to deal with. That's what I got to deal with. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. People on Facebook Live, you don't have to do it alone. 
You don't have to do it alone. It's not good enough to just watch it on the screen. You need to come and you need to wrap your arms around people that love you and can show you the love of God. It's not a substitute. It doesn't work that way. If you're at home and you you can't get here, that's one thing. But you need to get somewhere. It's in the presence of other believers because you need to experience God's love in a real and powerful way. And he does that through other people. You say, God will never forgive me. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, we... uh, we talk a lot about the lies that we tell ourselves, right? We talked a lot about that in this, this series, how we, we tell ourselves lies. And, and we, for whatever reason, uh, when, when, when things start to go downhill, we continue to tell ourselves lies. And, and instead of breaking out of that mold, we, we just continue to let ourselves go down in that spiral. Well, there's one way to get out of that. There's one way to get out of that. And that is to stop listening to the lies and stop listening to yourself. And start listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And start listening to the things that God has told us. The promises that he has given us. The fact that no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are here in this place. There are people beside you that love you and want to show you the love of God. There are people beside you that want to help you. I am willing to help you. Keith is willing to help you. There's tons of people that are willing to help you and willing to be there for you. But if for some reason it's too difficult, it's too difficult to talk to us and you just need to talk to somebody, I'm going to put two phone numbers up on the screen and I want you to just think about them. I want you to remember them. And this may not be for you. You may not ever use one of these phone numbers. But there may be somebody that you encounter one day and they may say, I've got a problem and I wish I could tell you about it. You say, well, you might need one of, these two, one of these two phone numbers. So, Brett, if we could put those up on the screen. For those that struggle with self-harm, burning, cutting, poisoning, scratching, poking yourself, pulling your hair, you do that because it's a way of release for you. It's a way to remove yourself from this world and just focus on something else as opposed to your worries. You need to look at that phone number. 1-800-DON'T-CUT. 1-800-DON'T-CUT. Now, I wish and I, and I, and I hope that everybody would be willing to, to come to me or willing able to go to one of the brothers or sisters in Christ and say, man, I just need help and we need to talk. But if you can't, you need to know that phone number. If you're somebody that's on the brink of suicide and things have gotten too heavy for you and you feel like there's no way out, and maybe you're at home alone and maybe it's 3 a.m. and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know who to call, there's a young lady, she uh, called 1-800-SUICIDE. But at the time, this number had not been set up. And she ended up taking her own life. Well, since then, as a result of that, 1-800-SUICIDE is now a suicide hotline that you can call if you're in a desperate place and you don't know what to do and you're thinking of taking your own life. 1-800-DON'T-CUT, 1-800-SUICIDE. 
Think about these. Remember them. If you need them, use them. But I guarantee you, we'll probably encounter somebody that's going to need them at some point in time. We need to commit them to memory ourselves, right? If you're hurting today, maybe you're somebody that struggles with self-harm. Maybe you're somebody on the brink of suicide. Maybe you don't struggle every single day, but maybe it's things that you deal with once a week, once a month, once a year. We're here for you. God's here for you. God wants to use us to convey his love to you. I I, I have to deal with this too, y'all. I deal with sadness. I deal with struggles of daily life, and I hurt sometimes too. And I have friends, I have family that I can talk to that will show me God's love. I hope that you'll see that you've got people here they want to love you. And that's one of the reasons why I believe small groups is so important. Because you don't need to just hear it from me. You need to hear it from each other that you are loved and cared for. So let me pray. Father, thank you, God, so much for your precious word that reminds us. Reminds us of how much we're loved, how much we're cared for by you. But Lord, I also know that you use believers. You use believers to convey your love. And God, I just know that there are people here that are hurting. There are people here that maybe they don't struggle right now with suicidal thoughts or self-harm, God, but they have in the past. And Lord, maybe they've forgotten about your love. Or maybe today there's just somebody here that's hurting. Maybe they've got a struggle that's come up in their life just this week. There's somebody that has died that's very close to them. Or maybe there's somebody here today that that they maybe they're struggling with alcohol or drug abuse or something's just going on in their life. Maybe they had a family member that's turned their back on them. I don't know, God, but I know this, that your love has been conveyed through your word, and I pray that we listen to that. I pray that we hear about your love today, that that your word is spoken to us in such a way that we know that we are loved. God, I pray. pray for the hurting person right now. I pray that they would just come to you. If somebody wants to surrender their whole life to you and say, I know, I know that I need Jesus Christ, and I cannot... Can I do this on my own? I've been trying to do it on my own, but I need Jesus Christ. I pray that today they would surrender everything to you. They would humbly approach you and just ask, just ask that you would be their Savior, God, and you would rescue them from the place they're in. God, we so desperately need you now. I pray that you speak to us. I pray that you speak to the hurting. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?